Good evening, everyone. Friends, um, some context that's necessary for us to really go into uh, the scriptures. So uh, in our gospel, Jesus tells a parable about the dishonest steward is what we call it. And um, that steward would be known today as a general manager, uh, um, a bookkeeper also. He would do everything. And what you need to understand is that um, he would write out promissory notes, loans to uh, more than likely the, the wealthy man, own the property, and typically they were agrarian, so they were using the land. Uh, he would, the rich man would uh, give money so they can go buy what they needed, seed and all that stuff. And then um, Deuteronomy, the law of Deuteronomy says that uh, you can loan, but you cannot charge interest to another Israelite. If you were a foreigner, you can. This steward is dealing with Israelites. So what uh, was common practice, we know this from the Old Testament and from the history books, is that this steward uh, would write two loans out, one for the face value that the owner knew about, and then he wrote one out that would cover what would be interest. You see, he, he wasn't supposed to do that because that breaks the law. But that's what he was doing. It is that second promissory note that the steward is messing around with because, uh, one, he knows that uh, his master, the owner, uh, he can't quite figure that out. He can go through the books and figure out the first loan, but not that second one because it wasn't making any sense. My friends, and we see in the first reading, the first reading what we're told is the people were conducting business. Uh, they would stop for the Sabbath. Uh, they weren't... Uh, real good merchants, they were doing bad things, and they couldn't wait for the Sabbath to be over so they can go back to stealing from people. <laughs> so the whole time they were inside the temple with that attitude, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, Father, get done because I need to get out of the parking lot and do my business. You see? That's what's going on. Our second reading, please keep in mind as 2020 comes because the election year is coming, and the second reading says, Everyone's worthy of prayer and to pray for everybody. And here it says pray for the king. So you pray for your elected officials. Remember, pray for them because they need our prayers. So my friends, this gives us, uh, this brings us into, so now you understand the steward and what's happening uh, and what's going on. The people that Jesus was talking to knew about this. So when he's talking, they had already had an idea what was happening. Jesus uses another word that uh, needs some explanation. The word mammon in Aramaic means loosely to worship money. Mammon also was the name of a Syrian god. It was the idol. Uh, remember in the desert, the golden calf? Uh, they were building a golden calf. Guess what the golden calf's name was? Mammon. My friends, Jesus uses it to put forth a teaching to his followers about idol worship, uh, in this particular, worshiping money. Many Christians seem sometimes confused what the Bible puts forth about money and wealth. And uh, it has been said that the Bible condemns money as the root of all evil. Uh, but that is not what the Scripture says. It actually says something different. St. Paul in the Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6, 10. The love of money is the root of all evil. In context, St. Paul is counseling Timothy on how to deal with the wealthier members of his Christian community. 
And uh, uh, Christians are not to lord their money or the power that they can wield with it over others. Uh, and they must not so love it uh, that it becomes the God in their hearts with which Christ must then complete, compete with. Or in their case, it would have been uh, in the Old Testament God, but in this case, it would have been Jesus. And Paul tells Timothy, Timothy that uh, some people in their desire for money have strayed from the faith and have uh, pierced themselves with many pains. First Timothy 6.10. My friends, all of you know this. Money in itself is neutral. It's just a medium used or needed to conduct business, to pay for goods and services. Money can be good or bad depending on how we acquire it, what we do with it, or what it does to us. For example, recall the parable of the Good Samaritan. Money was used to help someone who was in need, who was hurt. We have the story next week, um, the story of poor Lazarus who's sick and we are told about a wealthy, very wealthy, powerful man named Divs. Um, that man did not use his wealth or his influence that was wielded to help Lazarus. So in this case, uh, the money was not good. And then we will eventually hear about the widow's mite. This becomes really important because it's an old poor woman outside the temple. All she has is what we would know as a penny. It's all she had to her name. That's it. Most people, if you, all you have is 100 bucks, you ain't letting it go. You will keep it. The woman did not. She simply parted with it. She threw it into the collection, trusting God would help her. She did not worship that penny. She did not see it as a god. So my friends, um, while the gospel does not condemn money, it does not condemn the rich. It does not condemn wealth either. But it warns of the ease with which money can turn the head and enslave the human heart. Money, in fact, is a very serious matter to spend some time on Wall Street. <laughs> uh, uh, the love of money, <laughs> uh, the great desiring of it, or the craving of it, is the problem. That is mammon. Now that you know what mammon means, mammon means to worship the thing. And, uh, and many folks have clearly made money the god of their choice. It has compromised people in the secular world, and unfortunately it has compromised people in the church, meaning church officials, and has clouded the better instincts of whole nations. It is a very old god, this m desire of money, wandering around the streets of the modern world and searching for its new worshipers. Christ gave us the principle by which um, to deal with money and wealth. He told us to trust in God's providence and to, pro to put God first in all things. If we do this, the other things in life, including money, will fall into their proper places. The key is found in Jesus' words from Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you besides. Now, you know my sense of humor. It will be given to you, but Jesus doesn't say when. <laughs> Regarding the dishonest steward in the parable Jesus spoke about, our Lord did not praise his dishonesty, 
He did not praise his duplicity. He did not praise the deception which, which the steward was working with. Rather, Jesus praises him for his ability to apprise the situation at hand, his acuity in coming up with a solution, and that steward did not move away from the solution. He stuck to it. He said, I know what I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to do, and I did it. Jesus would put forth then, if his followers possessed similar discipline, similar dedication, and similar determination in their service of the kingdom of God, Jesus suggests that they would do great things for God then. Jesus' followers should put in the same type of time, effort, and determination for their spiritual well-being as the dishonest steward, as we're told in the parable, put towards his physical welfare. Jesus used the example of the steward in the parable because it was relevant, and it still is relevant. But perhaps, uh, well, this is the old parable, Father. I'm, uh, you kind of explained it to us, and I don't know. Okay, let's look at it from this perspective. Perhaps um, your child becomes ill, very ill. A parent will rush that child to the ER, and rightly so, without delay, and they will not count the cost of that. Let's say that same child was endangering their spiritual life uh, by things that they do on the Internet, by movies, or uh, of late, uh, the type of gaming they do. A parent is often slow to be decisive about their actions, about it. You see what I'm getting at? Or, let's say your car breaks down. It breaks down and you are off to the service garage immediately. How about this? Your TV. Your TV stops working and you will be at Walmart or you will be at Costco without delay. Lest your children drive you nuts because there is no TV. Or even worse, I suppose, that you miss a football game that's being telecast. You see what I'm getting at? How quickly you move. But if our spiritual life is slipping or sliding or straying, how often does one show similar solicitude or concern or act so decisively? In fact, many uh, frequently exhibit greater concern over material things and nonsensical matters than over their spiritual welfare. People move quickly if financial bankruptcy is on the horizon. But if spiritual bankruptcy is on the horizon, let me think about it. See? This is what Jesus is getting at. The parable bids us to take care of the spiritual side of life. It calls for the same, if not more, ingenuity, planning, and effort in our spiritual life as we do in all the other sectors of your life. And if you don't do that, oh, Father, I don't do that. You are practically a unicorn. <laughs> Something that doesn't exist, in other words. We all need to be working on that. My friends, our Lord and our soul are more important than all these other things. But Jesus says, make God first, and all these other things will come into place properly, and they will not be a burden or a bother to you. That's my advice to you.